Welcome to the Amazing Apps Show for Microsoft business applications creators who want to make amazing, agile, Dynamics 365 and Power Platform applications that everyone will love. Welcome to Amazing Applications, episode 112. My name is Neil Benson. It's great to have you join us. I really appreciate you listening. I've got a cracking episode coming up, hosted by my good friend Danny Cahill, as he interviews another wonderful friend of our community, Paddy Byrne. Paddy's going to share with us the challenges and success factors behind his project for the new single-use container recycling program in Scotland. Make sure you check out Danny's blog, which is always filled with amazingly colourful and amazingly helpful solution architecture diagrams and illustrations that help us build better Dynamics 365 and Power Platform apps. And if you like those, you'll find lots more of them in Danny's new training course, Functional Consulting, Requirements Analysis for a Successful Project Delivery for Dynamics 365 with a Power Platform. I'm nearly finished the course and I've learned heaps about structuring my requirements and managing them in DevOps. I'd highly recommend you check it out. You'll find links to Danny's resources and all of Paddy's contact re resources in our show notes at amazingapps.show slash 112. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you let Danny and Paddy know by commenting wherever you see this episode posted on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you can add a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We'd really appreciate it. Tell your friends, let everybody know. Okay, let's get into it. Over to you, Danny and Paddy. All right. Good morning. Good evening. How are you, Paddy? I'm good, Danny. And yourself? Yeah, very good, very good. Thank you for, uh, you know, being my guest. Um, Always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Look, buddy, we have known each other for, for a bit already. Um, do you mind giving a quick intro, you know, to our listeners uh, about yourself? Not at all. Uh, I am Paddy Byrne. I am a lead functional consultant uh, based out of near Glasgow, but now working for a company based in Birmingham. So the, the, the pandemic's opened up the the talent pool, so I'm now working for yep. the other side of the country. Um, I've been working since Dynamic with CRM since 2009. Um, and yeah, lo loving every step of it. Yeah, yeah, nice. And you have been awarded the MVP award as well, I think, no? When was it? I have, yes. I was awarded it in the, on the 1st of September. So September, I was awarded the MVP award. 1st of September. Yeah, okay. So that's six months. Every time I hear those letters, it makes me blush. Makes me blush. <laughs> MVP award. <laughs> So six months ago. So I'm a new MVP, yes, six months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, funny. Yeah, nice. Uh, well done. Um, yeah, I've been I've been awarded uh, in September, one year before. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So pretty new as well. Anyway, um, yeah. So look, thank you for, for being on, on the show. I guess, look, you and I had a quick chat before, right? So what I would like to have a conversation with you about is um, yeah, discussing one of your highlights or most challenging project that you had in your career and kind of going through the details of the project, you know, what went well, what were the challenges, uh, what could have been done or what would have you done differently if you would have to do the project again. So what did you pick? What kind of project did you pick for us today? Yeah. So I, I, I picked a project that I've, I've done recently. Uh, oh yeah. Right. And, uh, I've had more challenging projects, but this one was both challenging and rewarding. Oh yeah, yeah, and and different. 
and different. It was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a, overall a really good, successful project. And uh, it was, it's, it's a one that's close to my heart as well because it helps the environment around me. So I'm from Scotland, yeah. as you know, as you can tell by the accent. Um, and this was a, a project to help a client of the Scottish government. Yeah. Um, you may have seen the news. If you watch Scottish news, <laughs> I don't know if you do, Danny. I haven't, actually. <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might take a look, actually, yeah. <laughs> but um, there's been a lot of talk on the Scottish news about uh, a new scheme to encourage people to recycle single-use drink containers. Uh, right. So, you know, a, a can of kind of beer, a can of Coke, any single-use drink container, there's a, there's a scheme to try and help people, re- encourage people to recycle them. And then we got involved in, in the project to facilitate that, the, the, the technology of that. And the idea of the project is that there's this kind of chain of 20 pence pieces. If you know what 20 pence pieces, maybe 20 cents, where yeah. you're from. <laughs> um, it's 20, a chain of 20 cent pence pieces. So if you're a producer of uh, if you're a drinks manufacturer, you pay 20 pence into a pot. And then the the reseller uh, takes money out of the pot. They pay an extra twenty p for that for that drink. The consumer pays an extra twenty p, and then when they recycle it, they get twenty p back. And so it's an endless chain of twenty pence pieces. And uh, if everybody does their bit, no one loses out. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so this thing, it's encouragement to to recycle. Yeah, nice. Uh, so, so there was kind of three work streams, and there there was, you know, the the application for the uh, the manufacture of the, the drinks containers to uh, register to become part of the scheme. There was an authorization process for the team, the admin team, the back end to to you know, qualify the applications to be part of the scheme. Yeah. And then there was like a retailer consumer interface. So anyone can look up and find out who is, you know, if their drink that they're drinking is registered on the scheme. Oh yeah, right. So, okay. So yeah, and you know, to begin with, there was a, so quite an, again quite an interesting project for me because it was it's helping the environment, it's a, a yeah. local environment, and um, just there was very tight deadlines, and that I suppose comes to one of the challenges. And to begin with, there was very tight deadlines because there was a legal obligation to to get uh-huh. brought alive. Um, but then you know, things changed and the deadline got pushed back. But initially, there was a a very tight deadline there, so that was the kind of context of the project. Yeah, yeah, right. Can you explain a bit the, the technology landscape? So what kind of technology did you end up implementing? Um, so, dynam- so which apps of Dynamics? Was there a portal? Yeah, so you, you've said two of the words around my mouth. Um, initially, there was, uh, we, we recommended a, a portal, a Power Apps portal. Yeah. It would be the Microsoft partner. Um, recommended a, a Power Apps portal. Yeah. Um, and then, then Power Apps and Dataverse in the back end. We did toy with the idea of looking at Dynamics 365. Um, but uh, you know, there, there was some initial requirements around SLAs and routing of these applications, for one of a better word, registrations. Um, but the decision for MVP wasn't to to look at the... There was the, 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 the did a fit gap analysis and there, there, there wasn't enough reason to go for full-on Dynamics 365 for customer service as yet. So we did... Uh, we proposed Power Apps. We proposed Power Apps portals. Now... Um, we did spend one of the first sprints providing a proof of concept for Power Apps portals. Um, didn't quite uh, work out on that way because I think there was a few concerns around, um, and this was this was kind of news to me as well. This is the first kind of government contract I I'd worked on that then there was certain accessibility requirements that had to be met, 
uh, security requirements had to be met, and also the the test the internal testing team of the project uh, had to be able to test it using their automatic test scripts. And so they didn't go for Power Apps portals in the end. They built their own front end with the right. into Dataverse. Um, but it was some good experience in, in building the, the, the proof of concept. It just wasn't a fit in, in the end for them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. And so that was the, the project context. In terms of your role on the project, when did you start? What was your role? What was the team? Yeah, so I, I was the role as a, the senior functional consultant on the project. So I was responsible for, for, for driving the project. I had most comms with uh, the client and the, uh, did the majority of the, the schema design. Um, I also had uh, a team of three consultants, something that fluctuated between three and four consultants underneath me who did most of the build. And um, I, I was very lucky to have a very mature consultant underneath me who picked up a lot of my design work as well, um, allowing me to focus on the kind of more complex challenges. Um, we, had a, we had a project manager and we also had a, the, the project manager also took on the role of Scrum Master as well. I know that's sometimes a, a no-no, but took on the role yep. of Scrum Master as well. And we had, we, had a, we had a business analysis. So that was the internal project team. Um, externally on the client side, um, and this is it's important to, to acknowledge the external team as well, because one of the, the biggest lessons learned is this includes them. Um, we had uh, obviously the product owner, and um, with two BAs on their side as well, and uh, a solution architect, so a Dynamics 365 solutions architect, and a testing team on their side as well. Yeah. Okay. Great. And so you're talking about so a pro uh, um, Scrum Master. So I presume you're running Agile Scrum. Yes, we used Agile Scrum, um, and then I suppose that was one of the challenges. And the, 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 it was a, a newly formed Scrum team, and. Um, both teams internally and externally were very new to Scrum. So we had a bit of a, a feeling out process at the start, for want of a better word, where, where it was a bit, a bit flaky. I think a kind word to be flaky. Um, but but yes, we were doing that Jaja Scrum two-week sprints uh, with a release to their test environment every, every two weeks at the end of each sprint. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I've been involved in those. Uh, early a few years ago when I was starting on Scrum as well, new to me and and still recently sometimes new to the to the client, right? And yeah. I guess the first few weeks uh, or the first few sprints, you spend a bit of time fine tuning your processes, kind of guiding, you know, the other members to kind of the approaches and everything. It just takes time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you know, um, that's one of the challenges of the projects. And one of the things I'll, I'll touch on is that. Um, to, to begin with, because we're we're a new team and we hadn't worked together with each other before, um, there were certain expectations set, set each side, and those were challenging. And uh, that, that that had some interesting conversations at the start, which we managed to iron out. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, oh, nice, yeah, perfect. I would like to to go into into that uh, pretty soon. So effectively, so we covered uh, yeah the project context, the team, your role. The approach, it was Agile, Scrum. Yeah, so let's get started. So you were saying um, analysis. So the analysis was done by the client. They had their own BA. Is that correct? Yeah, it was really interesting because it's a new a new project with a, 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 almost a, a completely, it was completely a new implementation. They had a, a, a Dataverse environment and yeah. some other work streams there, but they were completely separate. We're using the same Dataverse environment but it was a, a different work stream almost for this uh, registration process. 
So, but there was no users or employees, so we couldn't do any user shadowing. We couldn't look at existing systems, couldn't do any analysis on that, find out pain points. It was very much, you know, this is a new product. The people who were going to use this product weren't even hired yet. And it turned out it didn't get hired until we successfully delivered the MVP because the government put the date for put the date forward. So we delivered the MVP, got the, the project live, and then the government put the date back. So none of the, so none of the users involved <laughs> yeah, yeah. at all. So we had to rely on these the, these business analysts, their internal business analysts working with us to refine user stories for users that, that, that weren't there. So that was interesting as well. Um, and it was interesting introducing them to uh, Power Apps and, and showing yeah. them Power Apps because they hadn't seen Power Apps until the business analysts hadn't seen power apps until we, we started the, the implementation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. And then, so the pro the business analysts from the client side, they had a product owner as well? Yes, they had a product owner as well, yes. And he was uh, he was a bit hands-off throughout the project, but he did um, get heavily involved in the, the planning and yeah, yeah. prioritization. It was just really the, the sprint ceremonies, he, the scrum ceremonies he got involved in. Um, again, he was more involved in the, he, was, he knew, he was invested in the product and he knew the, the legislation and everything around it. And it was, yeah. you know, his, his say was final, but it was the business analysts that were, that were doing the majority of the, we were doing the majority of the work with. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. All right. Let's get started. What kind of first challenges do you want to, you know, explain to us or, or details? Yeah. So as far as challenges, um, obviously the tight deadline. Um, yeah. to begin with. I mean, we only had a, a few months initially to get an MVP in place. And it wasn't so much that it was an MVP that users had to use, but it was a legal requirement by the government we had to deliver. And, um, and we managed to do that. But so you, you, managed to, to, you managed to yeah, deliver on that? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, so, so we managed to do that. But um, then, of course, it didn't go live, so we could build on what we had done. Um, but then uh, you know, another challenge was some of the user stories weren't, weren't defined enough. They, they hadn't seen... They didn't have as much exposure to the the power platform or power apps as to what we we, we expected. Um, our, our, from our side, our um, Scrum team probably wasn't as mature as as we initially thought, and then their yeah. team as well. Um, so we got off to, to quite a kind of rough start, and also um, some of the key consultants and some of the key people had overlapping projects internally from from our side, from the partner side, and and their side they had overlapping projects, so. As this tight deadline was coming up, we had to finish off our other projects while yeah. sort of overseeing the next one and get the other one started. Um, so, so those were challenges as well. But one one of the things, and, and, and because of those challenges, we got off to quite a, I, I want to say a rocky start. We got off, yeah. There was again, I think a, there was a lot of stress involved, and I, I remember having a very difficult um, call with the clients because. We were just like we just didn't seem to gel as a as a project team. I mean, no, internally we gelled, externally they gelled, but as a the, the external and internal team didn't really come together the same. And um, I had to go and speak to um, one of uh, one of my fellow consultants who, and that's the benefit of working for a strong partner. You've got other consultants that bounce ideas off of. Um, and I remember going and having a having a bit of a I think about a bit of a kicking on a call once. <laughs> I would say it was a, it was a difficult call, and I asked him some advice, and he, he gave me a term, um, not a term, a concept. Um, one of his his wife had um, uh, done some study on team development, and he mentioned this phrase of storming, forming, norming, and performing. I don't know if you've heard of it before, Danny. I've heard, but if you can elaborate, I'm not yeah. familiar with it, though. So, so I'm not I'm not too familiar with it either. 
But yeah. the idea is that team to 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 reach team performance and through team development, there's four stages: storming, forming, norming, and performing. And uh, explain this roughly to me. And uh, he says, at the moment, we are really storming. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just started. We're we're not getting on well. Things are a bit chaotic. Um, and I don't know each stage in turn, but you can look it up on it. There's a there's a whole kind of concept around it. But um, I, you know, as you get to know the team and as you get to know how each people work, um, you'll eventually become forming, which means you're just about functional. Then you're norming; it becomes the normal. You're used to working together, and then you'll eventually excel and perform as a team. And at the moment, then at that time, the, the internal team and the external team just were storming, <laughs> just yeah. weren't working together well. Um, and I brought this up at the, the next meeting that I had after that really difficult meeting. I uh, I brought it up to them. I said, "Look, I just said exactly what he said to me. Just ripped him off. I said we're storming, forming, not performing. Let's try and get to the 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 not forming part, and hopefully we'll get there. And even just acknowledging that and saying that to them, um, it it made us form. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we all realised it, and uh, it's one of those 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 parts. And uh, you know, you got the XLM toolbox, which has a has a toolbox for the technical side of things. That is that phrase is one of my consultancy toolkit. <laughs> it's one of my tools in my toolkit that I'm going to use going forward. Um, and it's just worth recognising that teams have to go through those four stages to do it. Um, and as soon as I did that, then again, teams started working together. We reviewed our definition of ready because some of the user stories weren't defined. We'd reviewed our definition of done for every sprint, and we again we we started forming, and eventually at the end we were, were performing, and it was it, it was a happy ending. I'm glad to say. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's a nice it's a nice um, way of describing how teams are and going through those stages. Because look, I, I used similar language, but it's it's an it's a nice way of actually telling the clients what that means. So I was saying, you know. Um, I was trying to find my words, explaining to the client that, yeah, the beginning is always, you always try to find a way teams work together. And, and as you go through the project, you kind of improve and get better at it and delivering things. And, and often I've seen myself often the best you perform, it's towards the end of the project. When you, when you're at the end, the team is performing super well, right? So I was kind of trying to explain also some of my client, this concept, but I was not. Yeah, it's a really nice way of of explaining it. Actually, using you know the storming, forming, norming, and and performing, I might actually use it as well. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for sharing that with me. Um, yeah, that's a nice one. So you were saying, um, so doing that that in general, the project was it remote or uh, you had to go? You could have those physical yeah. meetings with the client. No, it was fully fully remote. Um, although yeah. we're most most of us were in the the same country, we're, we're all pretty much based in Scotland but it was, it was yeah. over the pandemic Scotland had really strict rules on it at that time so we were all remote and working we worked through one of the, one of the interesting things that we used so we used Teams and we used um, Azure DevOps to capture user stories and then we yeah. had um, tasks and we had a, an external team that we would link to process diagrams etc and we'd link, use the tasks to link to those um, so the normal collaborative tools one of the things we did differently was that we used uh, a product called Miro it's a kind of whiteboard yeah. product um, and uh, for our kind of retrospects, that was that came in really handy, specifically for them, because we could set you know set up a Miro board, set a timer for five minutes, and everybody could collaborate and just post post its into boxes. We had um, you know what we did well, what were what we didn't do well, what went well, what we didn't do well, yeah. what we should continue doing, and then what we should act on recently. And then you know, we'd have a kind of ten minute session where everybody just put their post it notes in there. 
and it's particularly in those early days where we were storming. <laughs> it was it was quite a vocal board, and I, I think that really worked well um, because it was the first time I'd, I'd really worked like that um, using using tools like that as well, uh, and and it it gave people. Uh, make people feel comfortable in, in speaking out and just putting post-it notes on board rather than go around one person at a time virtually on a on a two-dimensional screen as we've been doing over the pandemic and, and here and then and try to force people to speak up. I think that worked exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah, right. And who who was facilitating those those sessions? Was it the Scrum Master? No, interestingly, for, for the for the retrospect, it was the BA on our side because... <laughs> on your side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was a bit of an odd role because he he took the the lead role early on. I think it, you know the, he had a, a better relationship with the client, and you know, you know it should have been the scrum master in hindsight in a traditional way. It should have been, but um, it was the BA because again he had the the, the good relationship. And I think, yeah, yeah, no, just I think a little interesting. Although it's it's good to to stick to the, the kind of strict rules, you have to be have to be flexible. And flexibility works um, both ways, and if you if, if it's a bit of a rocky start, the someone who has a relationship with the client is maybe better to lead those ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And you were saying, so uh, so Miro was one tool. How were you capturing and, and managing requirements? And did you use any tools for that? Or how was it done? It was mostly done um, for, for the user stories that were captured in Azure DevOps. Yeah. Um, and then we had a, a refinement process throughout the sprint. We were continually refining. So as when, when the consultants were working on the, on building the, the functionality, working on the tasks, I was refining the user stories and getting them in a state of ready for the next clients. And that definition already changed throughout throughout the project. We had a, a part part of our sprint plan, and we would, we would discuss the definition of ready and definition of done. And then we would, um, you know, the, the definition of ready was that we would have uh, a, a high level solution overview with tasks associated to it. Now the the process diagrams were linked to using. You know, we, we always use video. Although I started using Miro a bit as well, there was no set that you have to use this. I started using Miro, and we started doing links to Miro documents within the tasks. And it, it was quite fluid in that way that there wasn't any set way of capturing requirements, as long as it was a yeah. DevOps with links to the relevant places. And those, you know, th there was shared access to where those diagrams were. Yeah, there yeah. Any strict rules on that. Yeah. Did you use any structuring of requirements? Like use the other the other, you know, features and epics or, or just use the stories? We we did have some some high level epics, but they were really just oh, yeah. work streams. It was mostly user stories and, and tasks. We would started off with features, but again, I think it you know, in, in hindsight, lessons learned we were maybe brought about smaller user stories and features. But at at, at the time, because again we were we were both we all both teams were quite new to the whole methodology. It just turned into user story, user stories and tasks. Yeah, 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 yeah. With, with and you say high level epics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you say you were, you were fine tuning or, or, or working on the user stories yourself. I mean, yeah, from, just from me. the partner side, from the partner side mostly, or uh, no. So the so the BAs on their side, we were working closely with the BAs on their side. Yeah. So it was it was. Like, Mostly myself and the, the kind of high level uh, other consultant that would work on the user stories and would continually be refining those user stories. So while the sprint was was being built, we'd be refining the user stories so that the next point we had got to the, the sprint plan meeting, those user stories were ready to go into that, that sprint. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the client responsibility and ownership to refine the stories, I guess. Yeah. So they, with they, your they, input. Yeah, they needed quite a lot. So we would we would jump on calls with them and yeah. um, and give you know because again they were they were new the the B, it was the the business analysts on their side would 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 refine the user stories with them and then when it came to the sprint planning the product owner would just would decide what went in next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay. So structuring user stories. So, and also, and you had facilitation sessions or just calls to refine those stories. What was the just random calls when you needed, or you had every sprint dedicated session, like backlog refinement session? Uh, we didn't do that. No, we didn't have dedicated okay. backlog refinement sessions. It was, it was very ad hoc. It was a case yes, of, you know, let, let you know, as, is this the, so the, the sprint build would start, we would look at the backlog and it would be like, these are your next priorities let's refine them it was obviously you put a meeting in the, the early calendar to to be a lot of meetings at the, to begin with and so that again that's part of the start because i wasn't involved in the the kind of the bill at that point i, I would take that out out with the sprint refine the user story with the, the client and then it would they they, they kind of schedule meetings would taper off and then it was pretty much more ad hoc between me and the other lead consultant to, yeah, to contact okay. them and they, they were really flexible and, and they, they made themselves available to us, so we could just kind of contact them on an ad hoc basis. It wasn't yeah, there yeah, okay. that many, especially later on in the sprint as we were coming towards the the next sprint planning meeting. Those were were very ad hoc. Yeah. How how long was the project for? How many sprints you had? Remember? Um. It it wasn't it wasn't that long. I think it was, it was only nine sprints. Nine sprints. I can't, yeah, can't remember yeah. exactly, but yeah, nine sprints. Yeah. So a few months, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then what? So so. So you did the project, you did your team, um, developed the MVP. And then when was testing done by the client? Oh, let's, well, let's, was... let's put it back. Let's when what your testing done and when was UAT done? Do you remember? Yeah. So we would, we would, we would do an internal test every sprint. So yeah. we had, one of the other challenges here, yeah, there was no challenge. You, you're right. <laughs> we did have a, a, another stream of development, uh, ongoing as well. So cause they already had a data verse, they were doing their own internal changes to their own internal dev team so we had yeah. to coordinate those releases oh thankfully, yeah thankfully and you know with merged branches thankfully though the, the the responsibility of that was taken on by their solution architect so we yeah we do our internal testing at the end of the um so internal does would be part of the the end of the, the the two week sprint and then we would release uh we would do a release to our test environment and then their solution architect we would just give as part of our release to to them we would explain the release process and and any any notes, and then he would release to their test environment, merge the branches, and release to their test environment. And um, and after that, I mean, we we didn't have much visibility of other than bugs coming back to us, and um, we didn't have much visibility of their testing process and the release process to production that was on on their side because again, they had the internal development of the portal to to come in. Yeah. They they had a, um. So what we did again, they. Yeah, another challenge, I suppose. Now that you mention it, um, the the JSON that they were passing to mm. us was wasn't um, the, the structure changed every now and again. So we had to work with their dev team to get the structure of the JSON correct, so that we could um, process it and create the, the correct records. Um, but that most of that kind of hard work was 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 dealt with at the end. We just did our release to test, uh, documented the steps, and we also had to. Because they had an internal testing team and they did automated testing, we had to do a, a data dictionary. So 
even though we're working yeah. in an agile manner, um, they had to have as early visibility as possible to any schema changes. Um, so it wasn't like we could just add a add a column. You know, if it was a, if it was an option set uh, column, um, and there was an set instead of a two options column, we couldn't just change that last minute. It had we had to have as much visibility as possible to let them know that this is what's coming down the line. They would write their test scripts. If we did have to change something, then you know, sometimes you do have to. <laughs> so, yeah. so we had to just give them as much visibility as possible to what was coming down the line so that they could then uh, amend their test scripts. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. So yeah, I can see that being a bit of a challenge because you're a bit, uh, you know, constrained in your, uh, in your agile, you know, way of yeah. quickly making changes. Right. So yeah, I can see being a challenge. So in terms of testing, so you say instead of client testing, you will not at all involve in UAT kind of handholding UAT or UAT support. No, no, we would, we would just, we'd, we'd, we'd get bugs reported. Uh, yeah, back back to us. We're going to trace them through through DevOps, and and we would just um, try and the, the bugs would go into the backlog, and then the product owner would prioritize them the same as um, it would to normal kind of user story. And um, yeah, as soon as it kind of passed our test, because a lot happened after our, our our initial test of our functionality, because again they were merging with other streams of development, then that was a, that was the sign off. That was the definition of done that it passed our test, and then it, it went into their text environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and no, no meetings with the client to discuss bugs because in my experience, sometimes clients, especially if, if the teams are not communicating too much, sometimes client might report a bug, but it's actually, they didn't really understand how, uh, to make the feature work. So it's more a training exercise than a bug. Did you have those meetings to kind of discuss bugs as well? Or if, if anything came up from the, the testing team that, that raises a bug, then it would come through to. Uh, DevOps, and we would discuss it with the business analysts. If anything yeah. it was deemed like a, because I understand what you're saying. Sometimes it's it's not so much a bug; it's a it's almost a gap in the the process, maybe a gap in understanding how the process should work. But that would yeah. always involve the business analysts as opposed to the test team. You know, the test team would feedback business analysts. They would hopefully catch that straight away. Yeah. If they if they didn't, then we would discuss it with them, with the business yeah. analysts. We were always in contact with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, so that was some of your challenges reflecting back at those, what would you have done differently or what could, you know, what could you improve? And then we'll talk about the good things of the project. <laughs> um, what would I have done differently? Um, <laughs> I would have slowed everything down. <laughs> could you though? Cause you said you had tight deadlines. So. Well, like, yeah, exactly. I would have pushed the deadline back straight away. <laughs> Yeah, so was, yeah. I like to, I, I'm trying to be more methodical in my approach yeah. to things, slow things down and set expectations. But, you know, sometimes you give a deadline and it's, the deadline's the deadline, regardless yeah. of, uh, I would have made sure, or even, let's say, let's, let's say throw, slow it down, start a wee bit earlier, start planning a wee bit earlier yeah. <laughs> for this deadline. Um, and again, um, I, I think, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't think it was, we could have done anything differently in this in this situation. Just a little bit more communication, set expectations earlier, and um, like I said, it was, it was, a, it was a great. And in the end, it was a, a fantastic team that we worked mm. with to, to deliver the solution on on both sides. Um, and it was it was the the pace of it all at the beginning. Yeah, that was a bit much. And the I think the we we didn't really know we 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 hadn't we didn't know each other beforehand yeah. so it was just like brand new project we need delivered in this set time frame let's go 
mean, like when we're doing Scrum and we were doing, um, we're looking at looking at kind of the fast track stuff. We're doing solution blueprints. It wasn't a fast track project, mm-hmm. but we were kind of taking some of the, the makes of fast track stuff on board. I probably wouldn't have done that because it wasn't big enough. Um, because I think we lo- wasted a lot of time in the the initial few few weeks and few sprints. And again, I would have done it as Paradox Portals because <laughs> that would have been a great fit. But that wasn't yeah. the decision to make. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Now let's cover the the good parts of it. If you don't mind, I think they were, yeah. you kind of put them some in, in between the challenges, but the highlights of the project, what went well, what would you do again for every project? I think th- there's, um, there's, like I said, the, so tell you, the storming, forming and norming and performing uh, yeah. concept, I'll take that with me with every project to go on. That's, that's like, yeah. that's in my back pocket. If some things are, if we're, if I find myself in that situation again, that's a lesson learned that I, it's a tool I know how to use now and, uh, and it's effective explaining that sort of those concepts to the client. Yeah. 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 Now in terms of, um, collaboration with the, the team, how was, if you can say, so the product owner throughout the project, what did he do or she do well that you would like a product owner to do every time? And the, so the product owner was very transparent and, yeah. um, he explained not just the, the technical processes, but he yeah. would tell us, and he's, he's very knowledgeable about the industry and then what he was doing. He was yeah. very passionate about what he was doing because you, know, you could feel he was emotionally invested in this project yeah. as, as was myself, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hadn't heard anything about it until I started the project and then looked up in the news and got talking to him, asked, and I even asked him, uh, probably quite a controversial question. It wasn't anything to do with technology. It was just, uh, how do you think this is going to go? And, and he gave me a very honest answer mm. and passionate answer. And, you know, I think that makes a big difference to have a product owner that's passionate about the product. It, it affects the whole team. And, uh, and he could make the, the right decision on time or he had to go through a committee of, and it was, no, he, he, he could make the right decision. Oh yeah. Very, very, yeah. very rarely did he have to take it to the board. He would have yeah. his decision ready to go. Um, yeah. And even when there were things out with his control, he would, he would give us uh, a heads up and say, you know, we're expecting an announcement from such and such a thing at this time. And he wouldn't tell us what it was because he couldn't disclose anything, but we knew some, we knew something was, was happening and which was, yeah. which was good, 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 good of him because he didn't need to do that. And um, it was waiting till the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, amazing. So you, you, so great story. At, at the end of the day, storming, storming beginning, That's, yeah. but then an amazing story because um, you delivered on time. You delay. You went. You went live. I guess on time as well. Yes. Or they had, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then what they they you were involved in kind of so enhancing there's a, the product. So there's a. So there's further phases, but unfortunately I'm not involved in that now. Now, now yeah, that yeah. performing, I've, I've stepped back. Yeah. Um, well, I started a new job. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Okay. So you left yeah. that partner. I, so I, left, I that left that partner. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but they were, um, I mean, I was on my way. Once they were performing, I was kind of starting to look at other projects as well. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I seem to move in a role of, um, it was certainly my last partner of more kind of leader delegator rather than yeah. a, a solution provider. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I started looking at other projects 
once they once they started once they started rolling and they were happy with yep. the selling team, I I moved on to the next challenge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right. But I think um, that, that back you know back to the the kind of storming, forming, norming, and performing. Uh, the the fact that you, we we said that earlier and acknowledged that early meant that before I moved on to another project, we could all kind of take closure in the fact that we were performing, and that was almost yeah. a sign for me as a as a leader to to move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right, that was a great story. Um, anything else you would like to add, Patty, from this experience? No, nothing. Really. Just no. thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Danny. I'm looking forward no to worries. Hearing, hearing your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Thank you again. And yeah, good luck with your new challenge and your yeah, new assignment. And yeah, if you have any interesting story in the future, let me know. Happy to, you know, explore them with you. Thank you, man. Okay, see you. Thank you, Danny. All the best. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Amazing Apps podcast. You can join the show's mailing list at amazingapps.show. You'll get a personalized welcome video from yours truly and a notification when there's a new episode available. There are also shortcuts so you can follow the show on all major podcast players. And you can follow Amazing Apps Show on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can send me a message or a voicemail if you'd like your question answered on a future episode and even support the show through Buy Me A Coffee or by buying an Amazing Apps t-shirt. Visit amazingapps.show. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you. Until next time, take care and keep sprinting.